I've got a little something I just wanted to share before you all headed out to spend some time with Chris and Jody. All right, any children in the room would like to come forward? Thank you, Miles. Thank you for taking your beautiful. Come and join these boys up here. Oh, it's quite a lot of you. Look at this. Open the doors. And they've flooded forward. Welcome. Good morning. How are we all doing today? Good. All right. This won't take look what I brought. Do you all ever get hungry in church? That guy preaches so long, doesn't he? You get hungry in the sermon. I mean, it's like you wish you'd had a big full of breakfast. Well, I'm like that sometimes, so I thought I'd need the burger. It's going to be a long morning. So, um, so, uh, so I, I brought some things with me. You know, I need a drink of water as well because your mouth gets a bit dry. It's kind of salty, isn't it? You know. And um, I like to put a bit of ketchup on it. Anyone else like ketchup on your burger? Yeah, it really makes it kind of moist, doesn't it? It goes down well. So I brought some burger. I, I hope this isn't bad putting burgers on the Lord's table. Anyway, we can make a mess. Does anyone make a mess when you're eating? You kind of get ketchup all around your lips and on your hands sometimes, yeah. Who's, who's getting hungry already thinking about this? <sighs> all right, I, got, I like a bit of salt and pepper. A bit of flavor. I like some flavor on our burger, yeah? Anyone like that? Um, I'm actually a bit, of, a bit of a coffee snob. So we got a McCafe. And... Um, yeah, this is an espresso, so it's really strong, you know, but it just really rounds out the meal nicely. And I'm looking forward to having that afterwards. And um, a real McCaffrey, and a real, I'm actually not going to open this because it's bad. We shouldn't really use straws anymore, should we? I can't believe McDonald's are giving out plastic straws in this day and age. So I didn't bring the lid with a straw hole. I thought I'd do without that. And um, I bought a bit of uh, sugar for my coffee. And now the pièce de résistance. Where's the burger? Did someone steal my burger? Oh, I can't believe that. I must, I must have left without it. Oh, I can't believe. That was the one thing I was most looking forward to. In fact, all of this is nothing compared to the burger, is it? That is so disappointing. Did I go to the wrong McDonald's? Is it an iffy McDonald's? Is that the problem? So, Dan has it. Is it your dad? Is it your dad we've got to look to? So, we heard in our little story something that, a bit akin to my forgetting my burger. We heard about Jesus and disciples coming to actually a good friend's house, to Martha's house. And, uh, and Martha welcomed them in and, and she's busy getting everything ready. And can you imagine... At least 13 people turn up for dinner. There's quite a bit to do, isn't there? And, uh, and her sister, she's just sitting there lounging at Jesus' feet, listening to his word. And she gets a bit upset with her. She says, can't you tell her to come and help me? There's a lot of work to do. And Jesus says something really strange, doesn't he? He says, Martha, Martha, you're so worried and upset about all these things, but there's only one thing that's really important bit like my burger. You know, you can have all the salt and pepper and ketchup and napkins and drinks, but if you forget the main thing. And what did he say the main thing was? 
burger. It's the meat. It's the meat of Jesus' words. Actually, Mary was sitting at his feet, just like you're sitting at my feet. And she was listening to everything. She wanted to drink in everything that the Lord said. And he said, you know, even though those things are not unimportant, this is the main thing. To hear my words. To connect with me. And you know, sometimes we can be so big. There's so much going on in life, isn't there? There's games to play. There's school to go to. There's TV shows to watch. There's... um, what else do we do? We go out and play with people. There's things to see. There's mountains to climb. There's water to swim in. And you know, Jesus says, I've given you all those to enjoy, but if you miss out this one thing, me, knowing me, listening to me, loving me, then all these other things will begin to pale. So, I want you to ponder that as you go and spend some time. We've got another clipboard. And we've got some coloring, some crosswords, some word games, all in this. But I'm not going to give you these now, otherwise I'll be in trouble. But you're going to get those when you go out with Tish. So you all have a great time. Listen to what Jesus has to say, and we'll see you later, okay? Yes, Mike. Disappoint you if you say yes, Mike. Enough and leave now. All right. Well, that was it. There's no fishes. There's nothing to eat. (laughs) The burgers might be in the back room. desecration of the temple, putting McDonald's on the communion table. Apologies for anyone whose sensitivities are affected by that. Okay. Sorry, I'm a little further away from you. We're creating some space around here. wanted to maintain that, so uh, we continue to experiment. Or, or at least I do, I know. I wonder if you've ever found yourself, um, you know, sometimes when you're the... the the kind of the guy in the household, uh, particularly around Christmas, Thanksgiving. From time to time, I'm left there at the sink. I'm realizing there's like a whole array of things to clean. And, um, you know, sometimes we've had our family around, so our kids and our grandkids, and they're all off having fun. They're kind of watching a, the box of the TV. Or they're uh, playing a game or whatever, and there am I on my own. And very often Carol would notice and come and help me. And I'm thinking, isn't this a team game? Wouldn't this get done much more quickly if we were all working at it together? Or sometimes we find ourselves with so much to do at church. You know, this is a big place. Um, we're not a massive church, but we live in a massive building. And, and I spent some time actually this week with uh, some folk who are interested in renting another bit of our space, which is great. But, you know, this takes an awful lot of effort. And sometimes you may feel, you know, I'm the one turning up regularly. I'm doing things midweek. I'm here, there. What about all these other people who just seem to turn up or not even turn up? And we can get a little bit frustrated by that. Or maybe you're just in your job at work and you're really conscientious and you, your head's down and you're putting all the effort in and, uh, and others just seem to be slacking. They're off the break room. They're chatting over coffee. And you're thinking, oh, we're all getting paid the same. Why aren't we all making the same effort? How do you feel about that? What does that trigger in you? Now, this little incident that is fairly well-known, I'm sure you've heard it a million times, or a few times at least, the story about Mary and Martha. And 
And Luke has put this very significantly in this place. You see, you see, Luke is about discipleship. He's about this. Remember, Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. And now he's calling people. First he sends out the 12, then he sends out the 72. And he's on his way. And in our story, they're on their way. Now, now actually, Martha lived very close to Jerusalem. In fact, you could see the temple from her house, probably. So, in fact, probably this didn't happen chronologically in the time we read it in the gospel. Lucas put it there because he wants to make a point. We've just gone from, you know, how do we inherit eternal life and the story of the Good Samaritan and loving one another, caring for one another. And, and next week we're going to read about praying. And right in the middle he puts this little story about just the, sometimes the inner conflict and dynamics of what it means to love one another in the household when things aren't going well. Before we get to praying, and there's something I think he wants to teach us through this. Martha often gets a bad rap. But actually, Jesus cares very deeply about Martha. We see that later in the way he speaks to her. There's much to commend to us about the person of Martha. Remember, there's a bunch of... It's not just Jesus, but there's, there's his entourage... They've turned up. There's work to do. She cares about serving the Lord well with food and refreshment. Now, this Martha is quite possibly, we don't know for certain, um, the wife of Simon the leper. We read about him in, in John's Gospel, and quite possibly Simon was healed of his leprosy. Certainly, if he was still around, because if he still had the leprosy, he'd be excluded from community. But she's referenced in relation to an, another incident um, related to Simon the leper. And what Martha did is she opened her home. Remember, Jesus sent out the disciples, learning about this way of life, and go to people's house, and you will be welcomed in certain homes. And here it is happening. This is a living example and illustration. And Martha represents the person of peace, the person who expresses hospitality. And we see hospitality is a key expression of what it means to be a disciple. So, she's doing something that's not bad in and of itself. But, it's not the main thing. And that's my talk, it's entitled, Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing. Because the main thing for Jesus is always the condition of our heart. Yeah, Martha opened her home, but Mary opened her heart. And the invitation to all of us is, am I opening my heart and my whole being to the presence and the life and the teaching and the call of Jesus Christ upon me? I found myself pondering those two readings we had. Paul's later reflection about the, this firstborn from among them, just the incredible reality of who Jesus the Christ really is the wondrous things he's done through all creation. And here he is sitting in Martha's house. And she's off in the kitchen, busying herself. And here's the challenge to us. We sometimes don't re realize how honored and privileged we are because of Christ and what the Lord desires for us. And things get in the way. And those are the things I want to just reflect upon. Firstly, Martha was distracted. That's what we read in the text. She was distracted by the preparations. 
Sometimes our distraction can be fueled by our personality and our stories. Maybe for Martha, she just needed a lot of approval. Maybe she was missing some of that message of the value of who she is apart from what she does. But for all of us, whether it's the tyranny of the urgent, the massive to-do list, the tidying up, the making everything presentable, these can all become primary for us. In fact, for me, I love to check things off on a list. I'm kind of a list person. And I feel a great degree of satisfaction when I get something done and I can check it off. I feel life is going well. But not if it's the cost of relationships. This word distracted literally means to be pulled or dragged away. You see, the power of doing stuff, for the Lord even, can drag us away from that which is the most important. And sometimes it's our very own desire to make a good impression. Or maybe just get something right. It's important that things are done right. If a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing well. The old adage, I remember from when I was growing up. But sometimes that can drive us towards this performance orientation. It really is all about how I function and how I perform. And we can sadly be so focused on that that we fail to notice even the Lord. We can presume upon him. Won't he always be there? We can presume upon people in our lives. Won't they always be there? Because really it's important that I get some stuff done. What is the priority in our lives? Do we long to be noticed for what we did? That is a pull in my life. And if I'm not careful, it will drag me away from that which is most important. You know, in ministry, we can busy ourselves just like anyone else and think we're doing the Lord's work. Yet, if we're not fundamentally spending time at his feet, listening to his word, nurturing our fellowship and our relationship with him, ministry runs dry very quickly. It becomes a show. And it doesn't carry the Lord's blessing in the same way. But for all of us, there's an invitation to to serve, to give, to work out of a place of rest in him. It's done. Now go and freely express. Now secondly, Martha also doubted Jesus' care. Sometimes we, does, does, does he really care about me? Doesn't he notice? Does the Lord really see my circumstance and what I'm having to deal with? She's getting a little bit frustrated, perhaps even angry with her sister. Anyone ever been in that place? Some of that sibling rivalry? Come on, be honest. <laughs> this is just life. This is just normal. Jesus isn't he's not troubled by this, but he wants to speak into this. But for Martha, it's like, don't you care, Lord? Look, she's doing nothing. And sometimes for us too, we think, you know, God could fix this if he wanted to. God could remove this hardship, this emptiness, this pain, this illness, this uncertainty if he wanted to. Why doesn't he? Does he really care? Many people have wandered away from God because they're convinced he doesn't care because of bad things that have either happened to them or to others. But God never promised that to free us from struggle and even suffering. In fact, Paul talks about his sufferings completing that which is lacking in the Lord's sufferings. 
You see, it's how we respond to these things. God always has for his children. He sees what we are dealing with. He wants us to bring our doubts to him, not to drive us away from him. And if we give in to them, they will do that. It doesn't take much for us to sometimes turn in on ourselves because things are not going well, have our own little pity party, believe we're the victims, and so we shut down, we self-protect, we convince ourselves we're better off without all of that, I'll just go and do my God thing at home. And sadly, we are taken captive, in a sense, very literally, we're taken captive by those untruths, thinking that we're walking in the truth. Thirdly, Martha was disturbed. She was disturbed by many things, Jesus said. I think of all the relational needs, it's probably missing support in her life at this moment. But perhaps things have accumulated around other needs. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. I mean, those, these are words of affection. These are words of tenderness towards Martha. These are not judgmental, harsh words. It's like, look, Martha, I do care. I see what you're doing. I see that you are worried and upset about many things. You see, he sees, he knows. Are you worried and upset about many things? Do you think you're struggling alone? And you're not. But things had got to Martha. The pressure over how things would come together. Frustration over a seemingly useless sister at this point who just wastes her time when there's work to be done. She's stressed with the responsibility of the household. It's her house. If I don't do it, who will do it? And sometimes things need to be done. Let's be honest. But two things were keeping her and will keep us from the main thing. One is fear of the future. I'm anxious about what's going to happen. I'm worrying. You worry about many things, Martha. You, you're living your life in the future that hasn't happened yet and it is not real and it is sucking life out and it's, it's pulling you away from being present to me now. Many people live in that same place. And if we allow it, fear of the future will rob us of life today. But also, the pain of the past. You're troubled by many things. You're upset. You're perhaps angry. You might even feel guilty or be ashamed. I don't know what is driving this. But those two things, either fear, un unresolved fear where I'm isolated or the pain of the past that makes me frustrated, those two things keep us away from the only thing that is real, which is now, and my ability to be present to the Lord and to, to other people in a non-anxious fashion. As we were praying this morning, I was reminded of how you know, Jesus says in John's Gospel, the thief, he's talking about the devil, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And for all of us, that is a reality of the battle we're in. Not just personally, but as a community. And this is why we need to be the protectors, not just of ourselves, but of one another. And he's intent on destroying life. Jesus says, I've come that you would have life. Life in abundance. 
not just ordinary life, fullness of life. But there is one who will rob you, distract you, drag you away, pull you away from that life. And there is a battle. Be aware of the battle. And are we living, Are we? in fact, do we wake up with a sense of regret of the stuff that's happened? Or anxiety about what may come next? Or do we awake, and I was really touched by Frank, who I was praying with, and his, his sense of awakening and having a devotional time, the sun's rising, you know, all this wonderfully picture. But there's a sense of gratitude flowing from him. That is the place the Lord wants us. Is my orientation towards a sense of gratitude. I'm so thankful, God. You have filled my life. I have so much to give. Not because of me, but because of you. That comes from fellowship with him. Aloneness will drive our worry and our fears. But very often those very fears are fueled by disappointments and hurts and a lack of forgiveness that keeps us focused on the pain and missing the healing. And this robs people. This robs churches. This is currently robbing countries. It happens at the macro as well as the individual levels. And one thing that we often do, and we see that is in Martha, is we start to make comparisons. And well, well, what about so-and-so? Look at them, Lord. Deal with them, Lord. They're out of order. The only thing that was out of order was Martha's prayer. But rather than address that, we'd rather point out what is wrong elsewhere and ask God to deal with that. Comparisons are perilous. We don't need to make them, but we feel the need, and so we do, and we criticize. Paul warns us about this. In Romans he says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So you worry about yourself. That's the most important thing. So I want to say something here about us as a community that I think comes out of this text and I think the Lord's been speaking to me about and I've been praying a lot about. So I've been here a little while now. Nearly eight months. It's almost time to give birth. Eight months. And after about eight months you're carrying a bit, aren't you, as a, as a pregnant person. This is an extraordinary community where God has deposited so much and whose impact is significant. But it's also a community that's been somewhat ravaged and divided over unresolved conflicts and comparisons, if we're honest. And I say this not in judgment. I say this collectively. I feel the pain of this. I mentioned the other week that to sit with a pastor who says, you know, Jericho's Road is basically known as a divisive church. That hurt me to the core because that's not who the Lord is, it's not who I am. I don't think it's who we are. But it's how we've acted at times. This is not the end. This is just the Lord's invitation to come and sit at his feet and listen. And there have been challenges put out to people. There's been gossip about people. There's been a struggle and an unwillingness to forgive people. And we've harbored bitterness and resentment. And so much so that that has, before I came... Split apart, 
and suck life out of your leadership. And your leadership is important to you. Hugely important to you. Because the Lord ministers to his body in a certain way. Paul says this, We ask you, brothers and sisters, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. That's one of the uncomfortable things about being a leader. We're, we're told to warn people when they're going astray. We love to do that. This is, this is sometimes a thankless task, believe you me. Because it's hard, because people kick against this. But they are over you in the Lord, admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. That is the call. That is, the, that is what the Lord will bless. In fact, in Hebrews, the writer says, we can do, do, so, do that so that leaders exercise their ministry with joy rather than with contempt or sorrow. And let me tell you, there's been a lot of sorrow in your leadership. Pain, brokenness. Because it's not only divided, it's sucked life out of. And sucked energy and sucked time. And that's, I believe, hindered the, the ministry and the flow. And it has led to some of this labeling. But this is a new day. We are, we are not to be defined by this. This is an invitation. I think this text speaks into this situation very powerfully and importantly. Now, in our culture, it's so easy to critique. I mean, just go on social media. I mean, I was reading a thread, a tweet thread that just drove me crazy yesterday. But we so readily both criticize those in leadership, but also one another. In fact, we think we can't have divergent views unless being in opposition to one another. And we've got to actually learn to hear one another. Because the church is not like the culture around. The culture around is somewhat under the control of the one who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We are to stand out. My commitment to you and my resolve, as much as I'm able, is for us to lead with transparency, with humility, with openness, and to deal directly with issues when they come up. That is my heart and desire. Because if there's not trust in your leadership, then we have no healthy church, and we cannot move forward. And trust has been broken, let's be honest. People have been hurt. And we've settled into camps. And, and again, that's the comparison thing. Just like Paul says, you know, one says, I follow Paulus, I follow Peter, I follow Paul, I follow Jesus. Not to be like that. We're all one. So we've got to be careful with this. But it's been a difficult season. Let's just own the reality of the struggle. And people in, a mean, in amongst that have continued to, to faithfully serve the Lord, to faithfully see what God is doing among us here. And God is still with us. He's still in the household, I believe. But he's speaking to us, and he's calling us back to himself to sit at his feet together. It's important for leadership to be accountable. Because actually it's important for all of us to be accountable. The scriptures say, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are to be a yielded people. And leaders have to take the lead in that. But it's important how that's done. That's why there are guidelines in the scriptures that it be done sensitively, but that it be done. And yet there have been times when we've not done that well. And it saddened me to see the, the hurt and the pain that some have carried. 
And I just believe this is, this is a new day. This is a new wondrous opportunity. There's no guarantee of it because it's really incumbent upon all of us coming and kneeling saying, yes, Lord. I can't make it happen. The, your leadership can't make it happen. The Spirit of God actually won't make it happen. But he'll wait to be asked. And then he will delight to pour out. We sang about him being the fountain. There's a lovely verse in the psalm. All, our, all my fountains are in you, Lord. All our life flows from you, Lord. Uh, and if I say I love you, but I'm in conflict with my brother, or I hate my brother, then I'm deceived. The truth is not in me. The two go together. We cannot play that game with God. We try with one another. We try in our families. But God sees. And God knows. And God in his great goodness and mercy does not. He's forgiven all of this, you see. This is all resolved and dealt with at the cross. We don't have to work for that. How glorious. We just have to turn and come and in humility offer ourselves. That is the gospel. It starts there, it continues there, it ends there. It's all about that. That's all we'll do in eternity. We'll be so blown away by the wonder of his goodness. So the call is to put Jesus central and first to listen to his voice, to follow his ways, to be about the work of disciple-making. This is why my deep and abiding passion is that we overtly make disciples of one another. It does not happen by default or by accident or by sitting in a room listening to a sermon. It happens as we walk in love, addressing and dealing with the issues that come up and seeing this being modeled around us and we're drawn towards it. It's hard work, though. It's costly work because it's love. It'll cost us our lives. But that's the call. We've given up our lives if we've chosen to follow Jesus. And his voice is central in all of this. This is respect. It's our respect for him that we would listen to him. Even in our human relationships. Well, now we've just been working recently with a couple trying to help them both communicate freely and hear one another well. That is harder than it seems because we all receive through our filters. And the Holy Spirit's work is to expose the filters so we can hear freely and truthfully. But that's hard work. I've got to own up and I've got to face up to and deal with my stuff, the pain of the past, so as not to be controlled by anxiety about the future. He is the fountain of abundant life. The call is to him and it's to all of us that we would foster intimacy and closeness with him that empowers us to risk it with one another. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. This is so radical. That was not a woman's place. A woman's place was in the kitchen with Martha. Not just the sisters that were like that. It was very much like that in first century Palestine. A woman's place was not to learn. And Jesus radically not only embraced women and received them as disciples, but allowed them to, to be taught and learn from him. And we've done a terrible job in the church of affirming the place of women. And I grieve that. But she had to come and submit to his word and his teaching. So that's the call. To listen as we've sung to adore, to contemplate, to rest, and ultimately to represent. This is the source of life as we seek to grow in him. It's the source of our ministry. It's the source of our community and our fellowship with one another. 
It's the source of our marriages and our families. It's the source of our relationships with one another. It's the source of the, the impact God wants to make in this valley and in this nation and in this world. It's coming and yielding and submitting to Jesus. And if you're feeling distracted or disturbed, if you're doubting, talk to him about it. He'll listen. Peter says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. He loves you passionately. He's available to you. He'll visit your home and he'll speak words of tender compassion and love to you. And he never gives up on you. He's so good. That's why we sing this song. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. That you are a good, good and that we've seen it in your son because Jesus said to see me is to see the Father. And it's almost too good to believe, Lord, that we choose to believe. And we want to, again, as a community, come and sit at your feet and hear your words and follow your ways and to know your blessing, to know your favor, that others would come to know of that too. So give us courage in these things, Lord. Even now, minister to us. Give us courage to address the pain and the unforgiveness of the past. Because sometimes those things have so defined us that we, we don't know what it would be like not to have them. But they're not good bedfellows, Lord. And we want you to be the one on whom our gaze rests. We want to live from a place of plenty, of gratitude, of hopefulness, and not despair. And this is your gift to us. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come, Spirit of God. Build your church, Lord. Make us one, Lord, from this moment forward. That the world may believe. And you may be glorified, Lord. Amen. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God through his body upon the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. Now the peace of the Lord be always with you. And let's take some moments and bless one another with God's peace.